This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 29, and we're recording on Tuesday, May 17th. I'm Amanda Nelson, and I'm here with Jen Northington, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Post-BEA. Yeah. (laughs) I was just thinking, I was like, BEA was so good, and I'm so tired, but it was so good. (laughs) It was. It was very productive. Yeah. And I sent out all, like, my follow-up emails this morning, and I'm feeling Good for you. Good about it. I am still kind of exhausted. Like, the older I get and the more BEAs I go to, the longer it takes me to recover. (laughs) True (laughs) facts. Like an old... Um, um, anyway. Yeah, I have to do my follow-ups <laughs> today. But speaking of BEA, we got a lot of good meetings and had a lot of ideas about Book Riot Live. So if yes. you guys haven't already checked that out, you have like just about two weeks left to get VIP passes, which are, there's $40 off the weekend pass. Um, it's a discounted day pass if you can only come for one day. You get early RSVP access to special events, and you get a free water bottle, which is awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so you should check that out. It's bookriotlive.com. We're making all kinds of good plans. You should join us in November. It's November 12th and 13th. And this year we're sponsored again by Bookwitty, who was our sponsor last year and had a really awesome booth. So that's pretty exciting, too. Yeah, yeah. Come see us. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if you are new to the show, uh, this is a personalized reading recommendation show. So you can send us questions for your reading recommendations. If you need a book to read for yourself or for someone that you know and love, for your book club, whatever, you can email them to us at getbooked at bookriot.com or you can drop them in the form at the bottom of every uh, show note area (laughs) on the site. And we will get to every question. If yours is time sensitive, please put that at like the top or in the subject line or something so that um, we get to it as soon as possible and we will try to answer every single one. Okay, let's jump right in. All right, question one from Naomi Eden. My daughter is off to NYU in the fall. Do you have any recommendations for New Yorkie books for someone off on her own and very far away from home for the first time? Mm. Yes, we do. <laughs> Congrats on getting an NYU. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Nice. Um, before we get to the answers, we're going to do our first sponsor, which is Penguin Random House Audiobooks at tryaudiobooks.com. And they're specifically focusing on, if you haven't been to tryaudiobooks.com, um, you really should because they have a lot of really handy stuff on here. Like you can enter in the length of an audiobook that you want. So if you are going for a run or a workout or whatever, and you know I'm going to be on this treadmill for an hour, you can enter in that amount of time, and it will give you an audiobook recommendation based on the length of whatever it is you want to be doing, which I think is like such a neat um, and handy little tool. Um, so if you go to tryaudiobooks.com fitness, you can try a free download, which is great. And they have a lot of suggestions for books that are appropriate or motivating in some way <laughs> um, for you to read when you're working out. For example, World War Z. If you feel like you want to be running Ooh. from zombies, you can listen to World War Z. They have the new Justin Cronin, The City of Mirrors, um, which is the third book in the Passage trilogy, uh, the first of which I was obsessed with. Uh, again, vampires, if you feel like you need to pretend like you're running away from some sort of monster, that would be a good um, selection. They also have The Girl on the Train and Gone Girl. When I'm, I do listen to um, audiobooks when I'm working out, if I'm doing it like not in a class, which I usually do like, yeah, right. yoga or whatever. But if I'm like by myself, I will listen to an audiobook because it's the only way that I can. I find running just so boring, like so mind numbingly boring. Um, that it's what gets me through it. So stuff like Gone Girl and The Girl on the Train, like really suspenseful, whodunit type stuff that like sucks you in is makes the time go by really fast when you're doing something you don't want to be doing, which I know that there are people out there, some of you enjoy the running. I'm, I'm not I do that girl. like it. <laughs> no, well, that, that's great. But that doesn't I, mean that audio doesn't help it along. Like the running yeah. from zombies thing is very handy. There's like five apps for that now. But, or you could just <laughs> listen to an audiobook. <laughs> <laughs> you could. Um, I'm like... Oh gosh, what's her name? Anne in Parks and Rec. Yes. Like, I know you love jogging, but at what cost? Yeah. <laughs> like, it keeps you healthy, but at what cost? That's, that was a good line. That's that how I feel about it. Anyway, so uh, get a good audiobook to listen to while you're working out. Go to tryaudiobooks.com backslash fitness for recommendations specifically uh, geared towards workouts. And thank you so much for sponsoring the show. Okay. 
I'll just keep going because I'm already talking. Do it. So New York books for someone who is off on their own and far away from home for the first time. So my first pick for this is Half Resurrection Blues by uh, Daniel Jose Older, which I think you're recommending his other book later in the yes, show I, I saw after I'd already put this <laughs> but in I here. But I co-signed like, this one too. Yeah, whatever. It's going to be the DJ Older show. It's totally fine. Um, so this is a really fun page turnery kind of urban fantasy novel that I think would be great for um, a student who's kind of settling into a new life in a new place. Um, I can't really read heavy kind of like literary fiction, depressing sort of books when I'm in a period of, of upheaval. So I think something like this would be good for this kind of life situation that your kid is in. Um, it's about a guy named Carlos who is known as an in-betweener. So he's like half dead. He died. He doesn't remember how he died. He doesn't remember anything about his life before he died. And then he was partially resurrected. So he's like kind of alive, but his skin is also really cold and he exists in both worlds. So he exists in the regular world of New York, um, Brooklyn, and he also exists in the world of the undead. So he can see ghosts and he can interact with them and all of that. And he um, works with a like an undercover organization that controls the activity of the underworld in New York. Um, he works with them to help keep inappropriate dead baddies from like interfering with the world of the living um and it's uh undercover i don't know if necessarily undercover anyway that's like the closest description to this organization that he works for is like a, a new york council of the dead that's what it's called i can't remember um anyway so he encounters another in-betweener who is a sorcerer who has like summoned this horde of really bizarre monsters to start eliminating the friendly uh, ancestral spirits that live throughout the city and has this big, like, bad plan to destroy the world and destroy the boundary between the living and the dead. Anyway, it's, like, really very fantasaical and fun. Um, but it also features New York as, like, a character. And I love books that do that. So, uh, And this isn't New York like you get with a lot of literary fiction. This is, like, New York. Like, nitty-gritty awesome uh, New York. So that's Half Resurrection Blues by DJ Older. Daniel Jose Older. Nice. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, my first pick is nonfiction. Um, it's kind of, uh, like, well, okay, so what it is, is, (laughs) I'll just, like, tell you what it is instead of telling you what it's kind of like. Um, it's Literary Brooklyn by Evan Hughes. Uh, the subtitle is The Writers of Brooklyn and the Story of the American City Life. And so what, uh, Hughes did is looked at all of the different writing about New York and, um, and then put it all together in, like, a big mix that's a tour of Brooklyn, both past and present. Um, so, like, we're talking about, you know, Walt Whitman on Fort Greene and, you know, Henry Miller on Williamsburg and Truman Capote on Willow Street and Jonathan Lethem's Borb Hill. Um, and what I like about it is it's both a really interesting way to learn about different areas of Brooklyn and also you could take yourself on a little tour. Like, mm-hmm. you could take it with you and walk around and feel like you're giving yourself a self-guided tour of Brooklyn. Um, and so it's a really great book if you if she loves to read, um, if she wants to explore the city a little bit, but what doesn't want to do like the regular touristy things. And it's also just a really fun collection to read. Uh, so I think that that would be a good one to have in her arsenal of, you know, trying to figure out where she settles in and how she gets around. And I mean, NYU is not in Brooklyn, obviously, but mm-hmm. it's a very easy little trip. Lots of trains go there. <laughs> so <laughs> that's Literary Brooklyn by Evan Hughes. I just realized that both of my picks were like boroughs. Yeah, because Half Resolution loses in Brooklyn also. Yeah, whatever. And then, then yeah, go for it. Yeah, okay, so my second pick is Re-Jane by Patricia Park, and this takes place in Queens. Trains also go there. (laughs) And there's really good food in Queens, P.S. Yeah, kind of roundabout trains, but whatever. If you're going to NYU and you've never left home for the first time, you really need to go see the boroughs. And that's a rant. So Re-Jane by Patricia Park. It's a retelling of Jane Eyre featuring a Korean-American girl named Jane who lives in Flushing, which is in Queens, which I cannot say without starting to sing the nanny theme song. <laughs> 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 Flushing Queens. I'm not going to sing. Um, so she's an orphan and she lives with her uncle who owns a grocery store and her aunt and their um, children. Um, she is, their family is, her family is very old fashioned. She hasn't fit in really anywhere because she's half Korean. So she doesn't fit in with like the white kids at her school, but she's also half white. So she doesn't really fit in with the really Korean neighborhood that she grew up in. And she really just wants to start a new life, like get away, Go somewhere else. Um, so instead of going to college or like even really or looking for a job, rather, um, she like a you know fancy financial job like all of her friends are. She becomes an au pair for a couple who lives in Brooklyn. They're both English professors. Um, 
the mother is a women's studies professor, rather, not English professor. The father is an English teacher. And they have adopted a Chinese daughter. So she goes, and this couple is hilarious. Like, um, food co-ops, just like the most stereotypical Brooklyn upper middle class family that you can imagine. It's hilarious. Uh, and so Jane becomes romantically involved with the husband. And if you know the plot of Jane Eyre, it very kind of loosely follows that. Um, the wife is the uh, like mad wife in the attic kind of character. And the parallels are really funny. Her office is like in the top floor of the house of the Brooklyn Brownstone where she writes like feminist rants. And it's really great. Uh, then there's a big tragedy, not the one that you're probably thinking of that happens to Jane Eyre, but an entirely different one. And Jane flees. She leaves and goes to Seal to kind of try to find out more about her family and herself and her identity. Um, so it is very New York-y. You know, it takes place, the first three quarters of it are in New York, Queens, and Brooklyn. But it is also very much about leaving where you grew up and going off and finding yourself. So I think that um, your daughter would appreciate that. The thoughts about that as well. And if she's read Jane Eyre, it's just, like, frankly, a really great retelling of Jane Eyre in a modern, uh, diverse setting. So that's Read Jane by Patricia Park. All right, my second pick actually does take place in New York proper, in Manhattan. Um, yeah, I know, I did it. Um, you got one. <laughs> it's St. Maisie by Jamie Attenberg. And I love this book. It's a novel. It's a historical fiction. Uh, but it's based on a true story. There was this woman named Maisie Phillips who was known as the Queen of the Bowery and was considered a saint because this was during the Depression. She would walk around and, like, tuck money into bums' pockets and, like, buy them drinks at the bars. And she ran this theater. Um... And so Attenberg did a bunch of research and sort of invented this diary of Maisie and wrote a novel that revolves around the diary. So some of the novel is Maisie writing in the diary about her life. Um, some of it is somebody who has many years later discovered the diary and is researching Maisie. And then there's another subplot in which they're trying to sell the diary to make a book. Like, it's a whole really interesting meta setup. Um, but it's a really beautiful story also. Like, it's a family story. Maisie has this really troubled home life. Um, really complicated complicated relationship with her two sisters and she also is just really struggling to figure out like is her life literally just sitting in a ticket booth in the Bowery taking people's money and then you know helping out bums on her way home like is that going to be her whole mm -hmm. life so it's a, it's about finding yourself and finding your place in your family and your neighborhood and and also you know becoming sort of who you are which I think is all relevant to college students uh, so that is St. Maisie by Jamie Attenberg. Okay, question two. This is from Amy. <clears throat> I teach 7th, 8th grade English language arts, and this request comes from a few of my students. So we're getting middle school kids here. That's good. good. Uh, every week we have an independent reading time where we read our own books, myself included. Recently I've been le reading Life After Life, and the cover caught my student's eye. I explained the premise, and they expressed an interest in reading a book with a similar plot for YA. They're not into historical fiction. Mainly they like the idea of a character being born over and over again and having a type of deja vu. Um... They said they like John Green, books that take place current day, but are over the whole kids are mean to me at school theme. <laughs> I'm thinking of bringing in Every Day by David Levithan and maybe To All the Boys I've Loved Before by Jenny Han for the juicy story. But I'm wondering if there are any other books you can think of that they might enjoy before the end of the school year. Okay, um, so my first pick for you is The Walls Around Us by Nova Rensuma which I picked because it's got some time hoppy stuff um, and it is present day. There is a little bit of, well, a lot of mean girl stuff going on, but it's mostly a mystery, which I think kids really enjoy, like, you know, solving the thing. So the main character, uh, well, there are a couple, but one of the main characters' names is Violet. She's an 18-year-old ballerina um, and she is becoming, like... She's just, like, a day away from getting the life that she wants, like, going out and becoming, you know, like, a famous ballerina. And another main character, Amber, is locked up in a juvenile detention center. And then there's a third character named Oriana, who was a ballerina and is also in the detention center. And then they start kind of tormenting each other. You don't know what happened to put Oriana in that juvenile detention center, but you slowly find out. You don't realize how Violet's involved, but you slowly find out through all of this, like, supernatural time-jumpy type stuff. So, yeah, I, I, I can't tell you anymore without spoiling it. So that's The Walls Around Us by Nova Rensuma. I co-signed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, I hope you did bring in every day, because that book is great, and, like, totally, it is basically 
kind of the YA version of Life After Life, except with the, like, not with the killing Hitler part, but, like... Not with the, the killing Hitler. No, but the living life over and over again. Okay, anyway, so my first pick is Ask the Passengers by A.S. King. Uh, it is not a reincarnation story, but... I love the little A.S. King, if you've ever read her, has all of these little, like, slightly magical realist tweaks to her novels, which are generally contemporary teen stories. This one's about Astrid Jones, who is having trouble at home. Um, She's not really being bullied. She just, like, doesn't feel like there's anybody she can talk to, and her parents are, you know, not understanding her. It's, like, typical, you know, parents are the worst, basically. They (laughs) are. I still sometimes feel that way. I mean, I like my now. Love you, Mom and Dad. Not so much when I was in seventh or eighth grade. (laughs) But, yeah. So she spends hours lying in the backyard um, watching airplanes fly overhead, and she tells herself stories about the passengers in those planes, who they are, where they're going. So in that sense, it does kind of jump around from one person's life to the next. Um, In the meantime, the things that she's frustrated about are that she has a huge crush on this girl that she's working with, and she doesn't know if she's, if it means she's a lesbian, or if it's just that she's in love with this girl, and they're, you know, meeting in secret, so is it going to be public? Should it be public? She's really conflicted. She doesn't really know what to do with herself, Um, and she doesn't, you know, her friends are starting to be like, what is up with you? Um, And so she spends more and more time trying to like kind of get away from her problems so it has a lot of like very relevant stuff for teens but also it's not super preachy or it's not super like the moral of the story is <laughs> um it's really a lovely book and i like i think the slight supernatural element would appeal to your class so that is ask the passengers by a.s king Okay, my second one, um, I actually got this recommendation from a contributor, one of our contributors, Sharanya, because I posted this uh, back in our internal social network to see what they thought. And so one of the suggestions that they gave me was The Square Root of Summer by Harriet Rader Hapgood. And this actually just came out and was pitched to me as um, the time traveler's wife for a new generation, which I think is really interesting. Uh, But the main character's name is Gotti Oppenheimer. She is a teenager and also a math genius. She lives in a like tiny little seaside village in the UK. And then one day the like fabric of space time starts to dissolve around her small village and she begins to lose time. She falls down through all these wormholes to like the day her grandfather died, to the afternoon that she fell in love, to the day that her best friend moves away. Um, and, and like stuff happens that, you know, whatever spoilers. So I'm not going to get more into it. But so she has to use like her math brilliance to kind of figure out why the holes in space time are happening and to figure out how to get back and how to fix her past, maybe if possible, and get back to her current day. Um, so it's got all of that time happy stuff. No mean girl things happening. Just girl trying to figure her life out. Um, so that's The Square Root of Summer by Harriet Rader Hapgood. And let me hold on. Yeah, it is out now. Okay. I know it's new, so I wanted to make sure that it was released. And it is. Go forth. Excellent. <laughs> okay, my second pick is Shadow Shaper by Daniel Jose Older, who we mentioned before. Uh, and this is a really fun book. It takes place in Brooklyn. Um, and the main character is Sierra Santiago is uh, looking forward to like just summer like she's out of school she's looking forward to summer she's an artist so she's looking forward to working on her art which is graffiti and she does these like on you know old buildings that she can get access to she does these giant murals um, and she just wants to kind of have a you know like a typical summer and then a zombie crashes the first party of the summer and follows her and her ailing grandfather starts to tell her things that she doesn't understand and then graffitis around her neighborhood in Bed-Stuy start to come to life. And yes. she's clearly not going to have a normal summer. <laughs> so um, one of the things I love about this book is they've been pitching it as like Cassandra Clare's Shadowhunters meets Caribbean legend. It has a lot of like folklore roots to it, but it's also so contemporary. Um, like there's music and there's dancing and there's current day stuff. And, you know, at one point that she and her friends are in this coffee shop and it's like the most like I've been in that coffee shop in Brooklyn like listening to those teenagers have that conversation like he's got a real it's so he's got a real ear I think for uh, conversation and dialogue and and for creating a world that feels real even while all these crazy fantastical things are happening so I think they would dig it that is Shadow Shaper by Daniel Jose Older I love her love interest in that book I know it's, it's like so almost good. like there's a moment where he's almost a little too good and then he like makes a mistake <laughs> and you're like, yes, okay, good. He's human after all. <laughs> no such thing as too good, then. Yeah, it's good stuff. At you. Oh, at me. Okay, so question three. 
My friend and I run a virtual book club, and members vote on one of three options. May is our first month, and we went for thrillers, suspense, page-turners. We have to narrow down our options for June meeting by May 18th. We are thinking something lighter. Where'd You Go Bernadette is on our shortlist. Anything else similar that is on the funny side, but also offers good talking points. Um, You go. I've been talking for like a minute. (laughs) Okay. Um, So my first pick for you is Seating Arrangements by Maggie Shipstead, which is maybe unintentionally funny, um, but I found it kind of hilarious. So it's about a really waspy New England family who are going on, um, well, not a vacation, but they're going to an island that they have been living in or going to every summer for forever um, because one of them is getting married and one of them is pregnant. One of the daughters is pregnant and is getting married. So they're planning all of that. Uh, Everybody has their own issues. There's marital problems. There's families. I just said everyone has their own issues and Siri started answering me, my phone. Um, <laughs> Does Siri have advice? Siri for, has for no answers. No, she doesn't. She doesn't at all. Uh, and the the dad character has a crush on his daughter's best. No, not best man. Uh, maid of honor, a bridesmaid. And so that's a weird situation happening. Uh, but like really, really wealthy white people in New England and all of their bizarre problems. I find, I don't know, I just thought it was funny. And she's not trying to not be funny. Like, it's definitely uh, takes itself a little bit seriously, but there's also, um, Maggie's very aware of what she's writing in this book, and she's very aware of, like, how ridiculous some of these problems sound to other people who aren't super wealthy people from New England who have islands. Um, so there's a lot to talk about in this. Like, there's there's adultery, there's wealth, there's poverty, there's family, um, like, privileges, that sort of thing. So, yeah, that's Seating Arrangements by Maggie Shipstead. Okay, my first pick for you guys is Bellwether by Connie Willis, which is also, like, under 300 pages, nice and short. Um, She, we have talked about Connie Willis before. Um, There was a stretch where we talked about her basically every show. But this is one of her lesser-known books because it's not one of her, like, time-traveling historian books. Instead, it's about a woman named Sandra Foster who works for a corporation, and she studies fads. Like, she is a trend researcher. She studies trends. And uh, she works uh, in the this like it's like such a um like office space like absurdist company where they have like big morale meetings where everybody's forced to do icebreakers and like all (laughs) of these inter-office company memos and they have this terrible like office manager secretary who Sandra follows around because she's young and is like a is like a total weather vane for like what crazy trends are happening right now um And there's a man named Bennett who is working with monkey group behavior and chaos theory. And he works in the same office. And he, she gets fascinated with him because she decides he's like immune to trends. Like his clothes don't make any sense, his hair and his glasses. And she thinks she's just interested in him because he is immune to fads. But like, it's very clear that she's actually kind of falling for him. And then there's this whole like big crazy thing with like a flock of sheep that learn how to open doors and like it's like a really fun madcap but very smart because it's all about chaos theory and like research and office politics and I don't even know I love this book I reread it like (laughs) once a year pretty much on average um and it just makes me so happy every time and there's a bunch of fun little things to look at um not only just sort of from the there's there's actual science that you could talk about and then there's the love story and then there's the office stuff it's great I think it would be a really good book book group read. So that is Bellwether by Connie Willis. I just got my first Connie Willis book uh, yes, in Chicago. Yes, you did. I was Because there. you told me to. <laughs> I was like, buy that right now. <laughs> I've gotten into the habit of keeping a notebook beside me when we do these shows, and then when Jen recommends something that sounds interesting, I write it down. And Same. she keeps talking about Connie Willis. So I, she's so good. We went on a bookstore crawl in Chicago at BEA, and I bought one. Mm-hmm. Which one was it? The hair of something about a dog. You bought To Say Nothing of a Dog, which is also fantastic. Yeah. Okay, so my second one for you is Then We Came to the End by Joshua Ferris, which is hilarious. If you like The Office, you will really like this book. It is about a fictional advertising agency, and there are, in the same way that The Office is, like, random office with a bunch of quirky characters, that's what's happening here. So, like, two characters are having an affair, one of them is pregnant. One of them has exchanged his office chair without asking and is now starting to panic because he thinks he's going to get laid off or fired about it, and that whole section is hilarious. Um, One of the characters is laid off and becomes really unstable. The boss has cancer and is trying to hide it, and these are all, like, really serious things, but handled very, very 
humorously um, and lightheartedly. But there are moments, there are serious moments, especially with the boss and the layoffs and all of that. But mostly it's just random people in an office trying to live their lives and not get fired, despite the fact that they do stuff like exchange their office chairs without permission. Um, I read this for a book club, gosh, probably like three years ago. And most it started off as like a really interesting conversation about the economy and office politics and then devolved into us just like complaining about our bosses, which was nice. Um, so there's a lot of room for conversation there. So that's Then We Came to the End by Joshua Ferris. I like that we both picked office books sort yeah, of yeah. randomly. <laughs> well, funny book club to me is like, I mean, everyone's had that experience. You've, yes. Everyone's worked in an office with other idiots you want to complain about. So. Yep. Okay, so my second pick for you guys is Lamb, the Gospel According to Biff by Christopher Moore. Uh, Christopher Moore has written a ton of books. There's like a vampire series and there's a Shakespeare series. This one is kind of a standalone. Uh, it is about Jesus, that Jesus, um, and his <laughs> that best <Jesus>. friend, <laughs> Biff. And um, it is just laugh out loud funny. Um more is imagining, like, the lost years of Jesus, right? So there's this gap in time in the Bible where we don't know where he was or what he was doing. And uh, Christopher Moore decided that he was going to write about that. And he has Jesus and Biff up on all these crazy adventures. Um, it's really funny, but the thing that I think is most interesting about it and makes it a really interesting book club pick is that he manages to do it pretty respectfully, actually. Like, there's, like, stupid, like, fart jokes and, like, <laughs> I, weird, like... I don't even know stuff that goes on. I mean, it's a very silly, rompy, absurdist book, but it also, I don't feel like, I mean, I was raised in a church. I'm not currently religious, but I was like, I was watching and waiting for it to cross a line. And I personally didn't feel like it ever quite went to the point where it was actively making fun of, you know, the religion. It was just like, you know, taking this story and making it a little crazier. Um, so I think it might be interesting to have a conversation about that on top of just the silliness that is in in the book. It's a really entertaining read. Uh, there's also, if you're feeling particularly irreverent, there is like an onion skin page, like beautifully bound, like gold edging version that looks kind of like a Bible. Uh, so that is Lamb, The Gospel According to Biff by Christopher Moore. We could use a little making fun of, to be honest. I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> like I, yeah, it's it's hard for me because I like am not in the church anymore, and I, I but I still want to be respectful. Like my parents are very involved, and I have a lot of memories, obviously, of being part of it, and so I'm always like looking, you know, to kind of see how people handle it. And I actually thought that handled it. Have you read Lamb? No, oh I'm my God. Ever I think anymore. you need to read. <laughs> I'd be so curious to hear what you think. Okay, okay, <laughs> moving along, moving along. Okay. Um, next, oh, okay, it me, question four. This is from Liz. Um, she is saying, I'm looking for a book a recommendation for a book to give my boyfriend for his birthday. His tastes have somewhat eluded me for eight years, and I want to get something cool this year. That's, that's quite a feat. Um, his fiction favorites include Kurt Vonnegut, Lovecraft, classic sci-fi, and Japanese graphic novels. He's a freelance illustrator and is completely in love with documentaries, which are treatises for the value of work. That is a very specific thing to be in love with. I like it. Anyway, so that is from Liz. I will keep going. So my first pick for you is The Vegetarian by Han Kang, which just won something. The Man Booker, right? Maybe. Jen? I don't know. Oh. I don't remember. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, it's fine. It was last night, I think, they announced it. Oh, it won the, yeah, the Man Booker International Prize. Yeah. And it's won a bunch of awards. It's amazing. It's in translation. It's very short. And I picked this because I, you said... Like, I picked up on the Lovecraft thing, like, weird books and uh, also Japanese graphic novels. This is not Japanese, it's Korea. But it's about a woman who becomes a vegetarian, which in, in Korean culture is weird and very unusual. And her family flips out. Um, and they make her life really miserable. But it's not, like, it's never told from her point of view. So you're never hearing the story of why she did this, other than that she had some dream that involved a lot of meat. Um, and you aren't hearing from her why she responds the way she does, but like her husband and her father and her um, her brother-in-law and her sister are the four POVs that you get about her. And she, she like has a complete and total breakdown. There's a lot of really weird food imagery in this book. And, you know, it is ostensibly about a woman who becomes a vegetarian and has conflict with her family about it. But in reality, it's about like abuse and mental illness and feminism. And it's super, super weird. And I loved it so, so much. Have you read this yet? No, but it's like, oh, yeah. it gets higher on my list every time you recommend it. I know, it. <laughs> I know. Every time somebody met, it was the same thing. Every time it won a new award, I was like, fine, geez. So then I like went on. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. So yeah, that's The Vegetarian by Han Kang. 
Uh, my first pick is for the Japanese graphic novel side of the equation. It is the first volume of Pluto, uh, which is a manga series by Naoki Urasawa. Excuse me, Naoki Urasawa and Osamu uh, Tezuka. It's based on. It's sort of like so. Urasawa, who's this force in manga, took the basic idea of Astro Boy, created by Osamu Tezuka, and uh, like ran with it. So this first book is in a future where there are you know, like seven or eight great robots in the world and seven great robots in the world. Some of them are humanoid, some of them are not. Um, and some humanoid robots like kind of pass for human in daily life. And so there is one of the one of the seven most amazing robots is a detective in Europol. Uh, his name is Gesicht. And he is investigating the murders of some of these other robots. Like, really high-profile robots are being killed in horrible ways, which shouldn't be possible because these are the most powerful robots in the world. And and he feels like he is probably next because he's one of them. Uh, so he is trying to <laughs> both, like, stop the murderer before the murderer gets to him and also solve the murders of these robots. And it's really interesting because the, the robots in the books are so incredibly compelling. Um, I think Urasawa has imagined a really interesting version of what AI could become mm. and I just like the art is beautiful, the storytelling is great and it's really interesting to watch Gesicht move through the world because people are always like, oh ha but I always forget that you're a robot because he's a humanoid one and like the way that he interacts with his wife which is also a robot, like it's really interesting and compelling um, and the storytelling is great, the art is great the whole series is fantastic and it, unlike a lot of manga series, it's not like 47 volumes long, it's like eight. So, <laughs> so it's a little easier to do from start to finish. So Pluto Volume 1 by, excuse me, I'm so stuttery today, by Naoki Urasawa and Ozamu Tezuka. I've had too much coffee, clearly. Mm, samesies. All right. All right. So I stuck with the weird theme here. I guess I picked up on the Lovecraft and just ran with it. But um, my second pick is The Wind Up Bird Chronicle by Haruki Murakami. And Murakami just writes the longest, weirdest, most bizarre books that I've probably ever read in my life. So on the surface, this is a book about a guy named Toru who lives in a suburb of Tokyo and his cat, his wife's cat has gone missing and he is going to look for it. So that's the like plot, quote unquote, but not really. So he goes looking for the his wife's missing cat. And then along the way, he just encounters this group of like completely bizarre um, side characters, like a prostitute who is also a psychic and a 16 year old girl, his neighbor, who is weirdly morbid for a 16 year old. Also a war veteran who witnesses a bunch of things that happened during um, Japan's campaign in Manchuria in World War Two that um, like massive trigger warning. It's a really, really graphic because he has this like whole flashback section that's like one of the hardest things to read that I've ever read. But if you've read Lovecraft, I feel like you'll be okay. Um, so it's got uh, a little bit of magical realism. There's some netherworld kind of stuff going on. And it's just weird. Like every, th every sentence is a little bit weirder. And if you like that, then you can read QT84, which is um, his big like giant three volume thing that came out a couple years ago. Equally weird, but like, Maybe infinitely more so. So that's The Wind-Up Bird Chronicle by Haruki Murakami. When <clears throat> QT84 or 1Q84 came out, there was this it, yeah. huge fight about how you're supposed to say the title. I, I actually, think it's QT84. I, like I, I think it is, and I prefer yeah. QT because it's a pun on 1984. Like that's the one of the inspirations is Orwell. Um, but I just, I just remember you would get people coming into the bookstore and be like, "I want the new Murakami." Like they wouldn't even try to say it. It's great. <laughs> uh, okay, so my second pick also picks up on the Lovecraft and the hard sci-fi and the Kurt Vonnegut. Um, and it Basically, is, it's perfect. It's I think so, actually. I feel really good about this one. It's Big Machine by Victor Lavelle, who recently wrote a novella called The Ballad of Black Tom, which is totally 100% inspired by Lovecraft. Right? Lovecraft is one of Lavelle's favorite authors. Um, but this book, Big Machine, which because you can't actually gift a digital novella, I don't think. Like, not in a satisfying way. You can't wrap it up. So yeah. I went back to Big Machine, which is about a man named Mickey R or Ricky Rice, who is like a hustler and a 
is recovering from addiction, and he was once upon a time in a cult, and now he is a porter at a bus depot in Utica, New York, which is like upstate. And uh, one day he gets a letter, and he has to go up to the frozen woods of Vermont, and he is inducted into a group of paranormal investigators who are also like former addicts and petty criminals and like sort of like, you know, people on the fringes of society, but they've all heard this voice. Like there is a voice at one point and it may or may not be God and they're all trying to figure out who is speaking to them. So you've got like your kind of Vonnegut-y like hijinks and then you've got your like Lovecraftian weird like there's a voice speaking like is the abyss speaking to us um and he is such a good writer. He's funny. He's smart. He's dark as all get out. I think this is a really good one. So that is Big Machine by Victor Laval. You want to do the next sponsor? Oh, yes, I do. Go. It's fun. <laughs> I like, can't believe it's Because the sheet already. says that you are. You, so. It's true. It me. <laughs> um, so our second sponsor is The A to Z of You and Me by James Hanna, which recently won the won an award. What is the name of the award? It's the Desmond Elliott Award, which is for a debut novel uh, written in English. And it's he's, it's in very good company. Um like the, some of the other prizes have gone to books that I love. So that's always a good sign. And the book is about a man named Ivo who is in hospice care. He is dying, and he's in a lot of pain, and he is thinking back about his life to when he was much younger, and he, like, everything was great. He was young, he was in love, he had friends, and then everything went very wrong. He made a really big mistake, and now, many years later, he's thinking back and is like, is there any way to recover my life? Like, how can I, can I put it right? Is it too late to put it right? Um, is there any chance to go back and try to make any sort of amends? And there's a bunch of interesting sort of hooks to the story. Uh, he's playing this game where he, that was suggested by his hospice nurse as a way to like distract himself. Um, so, you know, think of a body part and then a memory connected to each body part for every letter of the alphabet. So there's that hook that kind of pulls you through it. Um, and it's got a, if you're looking for books for your book club, it has a discussion guide. So there's built-in questions that you might want to check out. And they're comping it to the storied life of A.J. Fickery. Library Journal said it reminded them of that. And that's one of the books that I love. So this book is a lot going for it. Uh, you can check out more information at jameshanna.com or check out his Twitter, uh, which is just twitter.com slash jameshanna. And we will put the links in the show notes. That is the A to Z of you and me. Okay. Thank is it again. next one me? It's me. <laughs> it's always me. Okay. Just talk forever. So this question is from Jessica Santoro. I am planning to try to complete the Read Harder Challenge for 2016. Good job. Yeah. Go forth. Uh, I'm putting together my list of books and getting stuck on a few. I would love to get some suggestions for reading a book written by an author from Southeast Asia and for reading the first book in a series by a person of color. I typically read literary fiction and mystery th thrillers. Any help would be appreciated. All right, you go. I've been talking okay. for so long. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if you are unfamiliar with the Read Harder Challenge, this is a read, obviously a reading challenge, a book challenge that we've done for the past two years. Um, whether there is a two tasks per month, you don't have to complete them in any particular order. You don't have to complete them to a month. You can do them however you want. Um, you can and double the goal up. is to get... Huh? To, you can double up. I always tell people, like, you can pick one book oh, yeah. that satisfies two requirements. Get around uh -huh. that way. And... Um, the goal here is to get you to read outside of your comfort zone, to try genres and authors that you maybe never heard of or wouldn't have picked up on your own or whatever. So you can go to the, I'll leave a link in the show notes uh, to the tasks. So my first pick for you is In the Country by Mia Alvar, which I'm actually in the middle of right now. It's a short story collection. Um, and it's like the short story collection I keep by my bed and I like read one a night before I sleep. That's a weird thing that I do. I don't, I, I'm sure that I'm not alone in that. No, uh, I'm not alone. She is uh, Filipino and as am I, which is great. And the short stories are about Filipinos who have either left the Philippines or were born elsewhere, um, like expats or um, people who are mixed race or come from mixed race families. And it's not just about like living in the Philippines and being Filipino. It's about all the various experiences that people um, from the Philippines or with family from the Philippines in any way um, can experience no matter where you live. There's like there are short stories that take place in Bahrain because there's a really large Filipino community there um, who like work the oil rigs and stuff like that. And then they send money back to their families. 
And there's like a whole subculture. Um, there's a short story about a man who moves to the U.S. to be a pharmacist and comes back um, because his father is dying of cancer. And he comes back bringing like, you know, American medicine to ease his suffering and all like all, there's just they're just really thought provoking. Um, and I was raised by my, my mother, who is white and my stepfather. So I wasn't really raised with any sort of connection to my Filipino culture or background. So um, reading about like expats and people who have left or are didn't grow up in the Philippines, but our Filipino was like, you know, really nice. It was a nice thing to read. It's, you know, you don't just not often get the perspective of people from the Philippines in literature. You don't often get the perspective of people from the Philippines who did not grow up that way. It's like a very specific sort of experience to read about. Um, but the stories are amazing. So that's In the Country by Mia Albar. I coincidentally also picked a Filipino author for this question. Oh. <laughs> um, it's uh, The Gun Dealer's Daughter by Gina Apostol. Um, and she, I have heard her read, uh, like I got to see her at an event, and she is amazing. So this book takes place, well, so, okay. It starts, the, the, the main character, Soledad, uh, is she left home for University of Manila and is like, undergone one of those transformations that will be very familiar to those of us who got radicalized in college. Like, she's gone from, <laughs> like, a bookish rich girl to, like, a total, like, communist rebel. Um, and But, of course, there's a guy involved. So, like, is she actually a Maoist or is she just is in she love with this guy? <laughs> like, is there, is she, like, can she be a rebel given her background? Like, there's all these questions. Um and then she is she comes to america and she is she is like talking about her youthful indiscretions and uh and like is kind of stuck in this in this loop of her own past and so it's about her trying to like figure out all of these things about herself and so uh it's it's really interesting like kind of like a puzzle piece of a book um and apostle is so good at words like oh, her yeah i just love her writing style um and i think this is a really interesting book for a lot of reasons um but because it's a lot about identity and not just like as it's like not about being Filipino it's about like am I a communist <laughs> and like do <laughs> am I a Filipino communist <laughs> yeah like what's that about um so anyway that is The Gun Dealer's Daughter by Gina Apostol okay so that was uh author from Southeast Asia the second part of the question was uh first book in a series by a person of color and so my pick for that is The Fifth Season by N.K. Jemisin which oh my god y'all I just the best. Like, it's the it best. It is amazing. The second book comes out, I think, in October. So if you do start this series, please know that you know it's not complete. And do not come for me on Twitter to yell at me because I didn't tell you. I'm telling you right now, not complete. Um, so this is a fantasy novel. Gosh, it's so good. I can't even like get my words. This is a, a fantasy novel uh, series that takes place on Earth? Question mark. Sort of. Yeah. Um, I way. Mean, she she said it's an alternate universe. She did. Yeah. Kind of say. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, and so, like, way in the future, after humanity has undergone several civilization-ending events, which they call fifth seasons in the book, so um, various, like, environmental catastrophes that have almost wiped humanity out and stuff like that. And so civilizations have set up these rules and their own folklore that they've written on stone tablets, because of course they did, um, that they follow when new seasons are coming. And also there is a subset of the community, of all the communities of humanity, um, that are called rogas, I think, that um, can control the Earth with their mind. Like, they have this very interesting psychic ability where they can connect to the energy of the planet and move faults and create volcanoes and um, move water a little bit. And the uh, planet is really unstable, and so they, the rogas are, which is actually kind of a slur in the book. Yeah, I was are, just going to um, say, they're the origins, it's like the full, and that's, yeah, like yeah, yeah, the, yeah. that's like the short, like, shorthand slang for them, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so they are kind of, ser they serve humanity in that when earthquakes and things like that come, they are called upon to stop them, but they're also really looked down upon um, as not being human, basically. Uh, and so a giant catastrophe comes, a fifth season starts. So the book starts with the end of the world um, and then continues from there and follows several characters, most of whom are origins. Um, and they have to save it or not, because maybe one of them started it. You don't know. I'm not going to spoil it. Okay, so that's The Fifth Season by M.K. <laughs> Jemison. I don't remember the name of the second one, but it doesn't matter because it's not out yet. So Godspeed with that. 
Okay. Yes, that book is amazing. Okay. Um, I picked for you, because you said that you like mystery thrillers, I picked Blackwater Rising by Attica Locke, who is amazing. Um, this is the first book in her Jay Porter series. And unlike a lot of other mystery thrillers, well, not unlike, I mean, there's a long tradition. Okay, so rewind. Jay <laughs> Porter, <Start over. laughs> who is the main character, is a lawyer. He's not a detective. He's a lawyer. Um, and he is, like, running his tiny practice out of a strip mall and like you know he's kind of not doing that great um but he is making things do you know he's making it work um and he is uh he is trying to have like a fresh start um and then he saves a woman from drowning and suddenly is involved in this massive potential conspiracy that he's trying to investigate and it involves these very high up people in Houston's like power structure and also he's like doesn't have that much going for him so he doesn't have a lot of power to fight um, and then there's all of this stuff in his past that he's struggling with so it's a really amazing book she I think is so interesting because she's dealing with like she's dealing with environmental issues she's dealing with corporate issues um, and it's a lawyer which I really love I don't love of procedurals that are detectives. I much prefer people who are like on the fringes and are not like walking around with a badge and a gun. So Jay Porter really scratches that itch for me. Um, and uh, the second book in the series is Pleasantville, which deals with a lot of political stuff, which is very interesting. So that is Blackwater Rising by Attica Locke. Okay, it me. <laughs> Last question. So this is from Priya. Um, she said, one book that I was surprised to enjoy this year was The Royal We. After initial skepticism, I gobbled it up and was so thrilled by how fun and juicy it was, especially with the fun twist that came near the end. Reading it felt like gossiping with an old friend. What would you recommend to go along with this? Also, does it classify as a romance? Okay, first of all, yes. Mm-hmm. It is a ro- yes, right? Because a romance is just a book with a, the focuses on a primary relationship and has a happy ending. So it's totally romance. So to get that out of the way. Yes. Um, and in that vein, my first uh, recommendation for this is Bet Me by Jennifer Cruz. I just, love this book. I know, it's so good. It's the best. Um, it's also a romance, very explicitly a romance, um, but it's about a girl named Min Minerva, who is, how do they describe her in the book, like, chunky? Not chunky, I mean, no. she's, it's a bit of a, she's, she's a curvy lady. Yeah, like, She's yeah, a yeah. big curvy She's lady. not thin in the book. And it's, like, specifically mentioned because a lot of the plot is about that. So she opened, the book opens with her breaking up with her boyfriend or her boyfriend breaking up with her, depending on who you ask. And then um, she gets asked out by a really handsome kind of playboy named Cal, who has made a bet with her ex-boyfriend that um, he can't get her in bed or can get her in bed. Uh, she knows about the bet when she goes out with him, so she's especially cranky and kind of just wants to do it anyway to see what will happen. And of course they fall for each other. She wears really great shoes. But the thing about this that I think you'll like is that it is super, super juicy and gossipy. Minerva is hilarious. She's a total smartass. And her banter with herself and Cal is great, but mostly with herself. My favorite part is her banter with herself. <laughs> and there are a lot of really entertaining side characters. And I just love that she's not a typical, you know, romance heroine. Not that there really is such a thing, but um, yeah, it's funny and juicy and gossipy, and I love it so much. So that's Bet Me by Jennifer Cruzy. That book made me so hungry. Make sure to have snacks nearby. It does, there is it like does, a lot she, of, there's so many good food scenes. <laughs> She unapologetically loves food. And there's yeah. an entire scene with donuts that I just I, cannot. I know. I, I cannot. I about that. Oh, my God. Okay. All right. All right. Um, <laughs> donuts as euphemism. <laughs> oh, so my... I actually ended up picking two short story collections because I love short stories. Um, and they both have that feel that you're looking for. So the first one is American Housewife by Helen Ellis, who is also like a poker champ for the record, um, which is really interesting. So the American Housewife is like a Southern Bells, but like gone very wrong collection of stories. Um, so, you know, the women in these stories wear lipstick and they are the perfect hostesses that maybe they've also killed some people or like, you know are stalking someone or are, you know, are a pageant princess uh, running away from things or <laughs> it's just like, really? She's so gossipy. It's like getting told like all of the juiciest stories at the country club, like that you're not supposed to know. Um, she's very funny. She's very smart. And I think that if you enjoy like dark Southern humor, this is an excellent choice for you. So that is American Housewife by Helen Ellis. 
Okay, so my last one is Primates of Park Avenue by Wednesday Martin, which is so gossipy. Um, and I have to talk about this with like so many caveats. So it's nonfiction. Uh, it's quote unquote a memoir about a woman named Wednesday who marries a man from the Upper East Side and moves into that, you know, park, very fancy, wealthy Park Avenue neighborhood. And she has a background in anthropology and primatology. So she starts looking at the neighbors, her basically her neighbors and new friends through that kind of lens. And so she's talking about like how everyone's quest for like a Birkin bag, which is, you know, that ridiculously expensive purse that caught, that takes like two years to get, um, is all about having like establishing dominance in the group and how and like the mating rituals and extra pair copulation and things like mutilation, which of course she has to say is like the plastic surgery that her friends get. Um, so it's super gossipy. And I guess like the royal we is, you know, a gossipy inside kind of inside look into the UK's royal family. This is kind of a gossipy inside look into what would be the royalty of the USA, because, you know, obviously we don't have real royalty, but the, you don't really get much closer than the people who live on the Upper East Side. Um, now, the asterisk to put here is that she maybe made up like a lot of it. Um, they didn't fact check it before she wrote it. Uh, and there's a lot, there are a lot of details that came out later that don't line up. Um, she said she was like changing stuff to protect the innocent or whatever, but you know, I just, that's out there that maybe it's not true, but it's, even if it isn't true, it's still like gossipy and juicy and fun. So that's Primates of Park Avenue by Wednesday Martin, which maybe did or did not happen. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? It's true fiction. True fiction. That's a real thing. All fiction's a little true. I mean, yes, exactly. Um, But yeah, it shouldn't probably maybe not have memoir slapped on it. Okay. Yeah, maybe not. (laughs) My second short story collection for you is Single Carefree Mellow by Catherine Heine. I love this collection so much um, because it is young women making poor choices. And that is great stuff. Um... So, for example, Maya, who is loves her boyfriend a whole lot and also maybe loves her boss. Um, there's Gwen, who is in college and has a roommate, and she cannot figure out if she is actually in love with him or not. And then um, a bunch of other stories about... I mean, they're, they all do kind of revolve around relationships. Some of them are, like, romancy. Some of them are less so. There's one about a husband and a wife who are both having a Affairs, and the whole story is basically them talking to the people they're having an affair with about their spouses. Um, it's so funny and smart. She has a real ear for dialogue. The conversations in these books are just amazing. So sharp. So laugh out loud funny. Um, and uh, and there's like teenagers and married couples and it's a huge range. So I feel like it's got a ton of stories that will some of which will just be funny, some of which will like hit you in the place with the feels. Uh, <laughs> the place well. with the feels. Was this the book? The book with the sex facts story? It is. It's the. Yes. <laughs> I like I can't I don't know if I can it's this is supposed to be a clean podcast. Oh I know, I know. But well Rebecca yes. was telling me about it. It's, there's a short story in the collection about how men will spit out random factoids after you sleep with them. Yes and and, and how she noticed that, that was a thing that was happening in real life. So like wrote a whole short story <laughs> around these random facts. It's Sex hysterical. Facts. <laughs> it's so funny. She's just really great. Uh, so I highly, highly recommend. And there's there's one character, Maya, who is um she's she's in it a couple of times so it has this like running through thread that feels almost like a novel so that is single carefree mellow by katherine heine that's it that's it that's our show Woo. under an so hour we, we did it <laughs> i know look at us shine your halo mm, this is shining this never shining <laughs> so please go rate us on itunes leave a review if you like the show or if you don't like the show you know you're free to have your own opinion whatever uh you can find us on social media i'm at i'm amanda nelson jen is at jen irl with two n's but she's taking may off so don't tweet at her because she won't respond you can tweet to me and i'll leave it to her in slack which is what <laughs> i've been doing <laughs> when people tweet about the show to me i just give it to jen in slack so she can see it because y'all see really nice things about it so, which is nice. Nice. so um, nice and thank you to our sponsors tryaudiobooks.com and the a to z of you and me so do go check those out We'll leave links to the show notes below to both of those things. And have a great day. Bye.